Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Google. Google's two-step verification was built to secure your account and help prevent cyber attacks, even if your password is compromised. That's why Google has made it easy to sign into your account with this additional layer of protection. Just one tap and you're in. Learn more at safety.google. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, for Movie Lovers Tonight, John DeGorio. And this is actually going to be another car riding episode with me. So sit back, relax, wherever your destination may be, and let's go on ahead and get on with the show. So, I saw Jumanji The Next Level the other day. And I just want to say this. I thought Jumanji The Next Level was just as good as Jumanji Welcome to the, uh, Welcome to the Jungle. And... They do a couple of things that are similar to what they did with Welcome to the Jungle. They explain the rules of the lives. They they actually do a little bit other stuff that is actually kind of different. I'm going to get to that in a few minutes. But the chemistry between all the actors and actresses is right there and everything. It feels like they didn't even miss a beat from 2017 at all. And Karen Gilligan's back. The Rock is back. Jack Black is back. And then Kevin Hart is back. But they added Dane DeVito as Spencer's grandfather, which is actually the teenage kid that's even in the, in the video game. And basically, his friends has to go in and save Spencer from uh, and get him out of the video game. And then, of course, you also have Danny Glover. He's coming back as Danny DeVito's best friend, which is Danny DeVito's grandson's grandfather's best friend. So I actually like the fact that they actually have them in there. You can actually feel the chemistry between the two actors when they're talking. And not only that, but when the Rock and Kevin Hart both have to act like 75-year-old men, it actually works. And I know that I've read a review where it said that's all they do is just do the voice. But here's the thing. You actually have to believe that these people are 75 years old. And to do the voice of that of those two characters through Kevin Hart and The Rock actually works. It's actually fitting. And not only that, but they even do something that I like to actually call improv. And, or if you ever went to like improv class or anything like that, you'll see, you know what I mean, where basically the teacher says this, okay, you're no longer this character. You're now this character. And she talks to the other person. You're no longer that character anymore. That person's going to be that character. And we're going to switch this whole entire thing up. So that's what they do. They do a whole entire switcheroo thing called, I'm going to call it like character musical chairs because that's basically what they did. And for what they did with that, uh, for what they did with that, that scene and also another scene too, where they actually did it twice, it actually worked. It didn't feel like it was forced at all. I felt like it was really good for what they did. And then also too, the comedy is there is a great action adventure movie that you can actually enjoy, turn off your brain for two and a half hours and just stuff your face with popcorn the whole entire time. And Jumanji is that movie. And not only that, but you can also enjoy this with your kids.
stuff like that and not have to worry about anything because I really felt like that there's nothing wrong with the movie at all. I felt like it was really great. And not only that, but I've seen a lot of comedies where it doesn't make me laugh. I found myself laughing more than anything in this in this movie. And that's something that you want from a Jumanji movie is to feel some type of laughter, laughter and stuff like that. And that's exactly how I felt. And I'm not even going to give this movie a rating or anything like that. I'm just going to say, go out and check it out. If you can't, check it out on Redbox whenever it gets ready to be released. Check it out on Blu-ray because I'm actually going to be picking this up on Blu-ray whenever it comes out. Just like I did with Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. But, like I said, they actually did a little uh, something else, though, too, where it's not the same plot line. There's actually a new villain in this thing, and then he actually takes a gym. And, therefore, they actually have to get the gym back so that way they can go back home. But I'm glad that they didn't go on ahead, resurrect the same villain again, and did the same things over again with the same villain. Not only that, but then we also get outside the jungle element and go into the desert, and then also the also to the mountains as well. So I'm liking the fact that they made it more of an adventure type movie, besides of besides it being just about the jungle itself. So I like that aspect. So now I'm gonna get into Tarantino straying away from Star Trek. So, as everybody knew last year, that Tarantino said that he was going to make an R-rated Star Trek movie. And he said that he'd just rather just build on to smaller audiences, do his independent films and stuff like that. What I also think it is, is the fact that he saw how bad and how bad the fan community is with Star Wars whenever Ryan, uh, when, I forgot the director's name. I know it's Ryan something, but anyways whenever he did Star Wars and the backlash he got for Star Wars because it wasn't according to how actual Star Wars is and Ryan Johnson is his name there we go but because of the fact that it doesn't have that Star Wars flavor to it and the fact what they did what he did with Star Wars and what he did with Luke and everything else he got a big old huge backlash from it so I'm thinking Tarantino's thinking well you know what Ryan Johnson got a huge backlash for what he did so I'm not going to go down this road that he went on I'm going to go on ahead and do my thing. And then maybe I might come back to this later on if I choose to do so. But he said that he also feels like that he wants to do smaller films and keep up with his independent film work, which I can totally understand because I don't want him to be one of those directors that does these big, huge things where he's directing blockbuster movies because Tarantino is a great storyteller whenever you look at his direct, oh, as a director and writer. Even though I didn't care for The Hateful Eight or anything like that, and I didn't see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I can't deny the fact that the guy is talented or, or anything, because I like uh, I like his films. I like what he does with his films. He actually does something original. He actually tries to do something different and everything in each one of his movies, and I love that he tries to do so. So for him to go on ahead and try and do a big blockbuster film, I would feel like the studios would be like, trying to strap him down to do nothing but blockbusters all the time to the point where that's all he, all the studios are going to give him money for is go, okay, I'm going to give you $150 million, Tarantino, so that's all you're going to be doing is blockbuster movies. And I don't want him to be strapped down to just doing blockbuster movies. I want him to do other things and branch himself outside of doing, uh, of doing certain movies, and especially with his independent films. That's how I feel about that. So now I'm going to drop down to doing the Legends of the Hidden Temple. So they're supposed to be rebooting the Legends of the Hidden Temple. 
And I love the fact that they're rebooting it. This is not going to be like a Nickelodeon show at all. This is actually going to be geared more towards adults rather than geared towards Nickelodeon. So I'm actually happy about that. And then they also said, too, that they're actually going to have, like, off of the... You know how before we actually had the kids and everything on a stage and everything? So they're actually going to probably put them on an island and do all these runscapes and stuff like that, which I want to see. I want to see something like that because I think it would be absolutely amazing for adults to go ahead and do something like that for that type of show for Legends of the Hidden Temple. But anyway, so what do you guys think? Do you like that idea? What didn't you like about that idea? But I think that's going to do it for me just for today, for the this podcast itself um i am going to try and do a non-spoiler review for um for the mandalorian so stay tuned for that i'm trying to get with some of my friends and see if they can actually join me on a podcast because i think it would actually be fun it would actually elevate the show a little bit more to have other guests with me so until next time bye-bye Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Tonight, John DeGordio. And I just want to say that it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do this every single day, talking about movies or TV shows. And this is actually going to be a Riding with John episode. So sit back, relax, wherever your destination may be, and let's go on ahead and do this thing. So I didn't get around to actually doing what I was planning on doing this morning. I was wanting to do at least a 20-minute show from my house back over to where I work back to where I work at but it didn't come out that way at all so the show is relatively short and as a matter of fact it's like eight minutes long so this is my my way of getting a little bit of bonus bonus content and everything just as a way for me to get back to you guys so what I want to talk about first I want to do a Mandalorian chapters four through six review since I didn't get around to actually doing that because I just want to binge watch a couple of episodes first before I actually give you a full-on review. So with that being said, I really enjoy the episode chapter four. And what I liked about chapter four was the fact that Mandalorian is actually trying to do the best for baby Yoda. And he's trying to find a good place for him to where he can live. And he thinks that this planet may be it, but he they little does he know that this planet is actually being attacked by some super unlike human beast and everything that are attacking these villagers and everything and the villagers are actually scared to actually do anything they're not the type of people that are looking for conflict or anything like that they just want to do their fishing take care of their kids and stuff like that they don't really want any type of conflict with these beings at all as a matter of fact they're a little bit more on pushover because they're allowing this to actually happen but anyways I really love the chemistry between the woman in the tavern that the Mandalorian actually meets, which is actually like a bounty hunter character. And I love how they actually have like the little, this little comedy aspect to it where they're actually, you know, where they're actually, they're kind of like wrestling in a way and stuff like that and fighting against each other, trying to understand each other through that kind of aspect. And that kind of humor actually worked out really well, especially when you see baby Yoda drinking his soup or whatever he's eating and he's just standing there watching them i thought that was actually kind of cute and kind of adorable not only that but let's just be honest the tavern woman was kind of cringeworthy with her dialogue some of the matter of fact i've been noticing like even the couple of scenes with um chapters five and six there is some very bad cringeworthy dialogue and these 
shows and everything. But other than that, though, the plot line itself is actually pretty good. But anyways, I really like the fact that you have the Mandalorian. They actually go into his backstory, explaining why he doesn't take off the helmet. When was the last time he took off the helmet? And he's actually t- took off the helmet to actually eat, but not in front of anyone. Otherwise, he would actually be exhaled. Not exhaled, but he would actually be... Have, he would actually have to be away from the Mandalorians and everything. He would have to go into exile. That's the word I was looking for. And so anyways, that's why he doesn't take it off in front of anybody. Because of the fact that with his religion, if he takes it off in front of anyone, he'll be exiled and he won't be a Mandalorian anymore. And I don't know what else actually takes place within that. And then also too, he actually fall, you can actually tell that he's actually fallen in love with this one villager that lives there and I really like that but I wanted him to actually be with the bounty hunter in a way because they actually have stuff that's actually stuff in common but it actually has some good points though as to why they didn't go that route while why he actually fell in love with this villager opposed to the bounty hunter that he meets at the tavern and I can actually understand that because it's actually something neat because of the fact that you know we don't want to date the same people, same copies of ourselves. We want to actually date somebody that is different from us. And for the Mandalorian, dating someone that's outside of the bounty hunters or being with someone outside of being a bounty hunter and everything else makes him have a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel where he's like, I would like to actually have a family someday and settle down to the point where I could actually see myself with this one person. And opposed to being on a bounty hunter where they're actually going to be out on the run and everything trying to take down certain people that pe- uh, that certain people want taken down and it's just not a life that he actually wants to have with somebody else which I can totally understand and then also too I really liked how they have to train these villagers to take back the control of their planet and everything from these super like beings and everything so I really liked that aspect of them having to stand their ground and of course, after that happens, he gets back in his ship and he flies off. So I really enjoyed seeing them, seeing the villagers try and take back their planet and taking their ownership of their planet back from these beings. So I thought that was pretty good. Episode 5 is definitely a fill filler episode because of the fact nothing actually happens. It goes into this whole entire thing where... You're thinking that something's going to happen this whole entire time, and nothing does. He lands the ship. The ship needs to be repaired. He ends up um, landing, and the woman who winds up trying to repair his ship and everything says, well, you need this so much gill, but you don't have that much gill, so the Mandalorian has to go on ahead and find a bounty or some type of way to actually earn money, which is kind of like being in a video game, like I said before, and in one of the other episodes whenever I was doing a review. So he has to do go out and do this thing to go on ahead and basically find a way to earn gill. And so he winds up meeting this other other bounty hunter and he actually has a job. So they were actually going to split the uh, gill down the middle. And I just got to say, like, this is one of those moments where it's actually very cringeworthy to the point where it will take you out of the episode just for a little bit but not by much but here's the thing they wind up catching up with the guy the, with the girl that they were supposed to go on ahead and arrest and of course you know 
what winds up happening is the girl tries to persuade the bounty hunter to kill the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian comes back, finds the girl dead, and it's a whole entire backstabbing thing that goes on on in the episode. And by the time it plays out and everything, the Mandalorian comes up on top. He gets the gill all for himself. Gets the ship repaired and he flies off and does his own thing again. And then finally, episode six comes around. And I have to say, I've really enjoyed this episode. So far, I love episodes one, two, three, and four, and six so far. And the reason being is the fact that, you know, you have the Mandalorian who is supposed to be doing this quest from somebody that he actually knows, and it's actually Bobby from Sons of Anarchy. I do not know the actor's name. I don't remember the character's name. So I'm just going to call him Bobby. And there's some people that actually said that they had some problems with the fact that he had like a New York, Boston type of accent. But here's the thing. Who's to say that there's not a planet in the Star Wars universe that actually has like a New York or Boston type of accent to where Bobby actually has that accent? So that's where I'm coming in on is this galaxy is so big and huge to where you can actually bet on the fact that there is probably someone with that accent. But anyways, Bobby says, tells him, look, I I can go on ahead and give you some guilt, but there's actually a quest for you to do. You have to bust somebody out of prison with these mercenaries. And let me just tell you something. The mercenaries and everything in this show ticked me off because they picked up Baby Yoda and was going to pretend like that they were going to drop him. You don't do that to Baby Yoda. As a matter of fact, I want a Baby Yoda to use the Force on, on them and everything else. And he, of course, he doesn't use the Force, but I really want a Baby Yoda to do something to those mercenaries and everything. But anyways, they have to try and bust this um, girl's brother out of out of jail and everything. And basically, the Mandalorian doesn't even want to work with him. He just wanted to be a one-person job rather than go ahead and work with these mercenaries. But, hey, he has to do what he has to do to get some gill to try and provide for him and Baby Yoda and everything. So he winds up doing that. And, you know, I love how he took down the droid whenever they're trying to break the brother out. And let me just tell you this. The actress, I have no problem with the actress that plays played in this episode at all, but she overacted in this whole entire show. She was doing hissing noises for no reason. As a matter of fact, I wish that she wouldn't have done the hissing noise. She sounded like a vampire. And the matter of fact, speaking of which, she actually played in the Harry Potter movie as a Finx and everything. I forgot what character she actually played, but she actually played a Finx in that Harry Potter movie. And I liked her character in that. I think she's a great actress, but she definitely overacted. I felt like maybe the director should have said, look, you're kind of overstepping whatever I put on this paper and you're overacting it rather than going on ahead and just playing the character the way that it's supposed to be played. But she's over there making hissing noises and stuff like that. Even at the jail cell, I'm like, what the heck are you doing? You're overacting this. And then they have like this Diablo-like character that's a mercenary and stuff like that too. And stuff like that where he's like, he looks like kind of like a devil type of character. I forgot what his character's name is. But anyways, he winds up having to fight all of them and everything. And then finally he catches up with the brother because they did break him out. I know I'm giving away a little bit of a spoiler and everything, but... You know, I just wanted to give you an idea of what you're actually facing. But anyways, by the time they're done with that, 
they go back over to where Bond is. I'm skipping a lot of stuff here because there's a lot of stuff that actually does happen that I'm skipping because I feel like that you guys need to be a little bit surprised on what's going on. And Bobby winds up trying to backstab me. And then the, mo the greatest scene is when the Mandalorian actually gets his revenge on Bobby and also on that brother. And I'm not going to say what else happens to the sister or anything like that. You guys are just going to have to go ahead and check it out later on. But anyways, I thought those epi that episode was actually a stellar episode. It felt like more like a Star Wars episode. It actually felt like a Mandalorian episode. I really enjoyed episode uh, chapter 6 of The Mandalorian. So with that being said, I'm going to talk about a couple of shows that I wish that were rebooted. And for instance, I wish they, that they would have went on ahead and rebooted uh, Switchblade. Because I wish... Because I think Witchblade would actually be a good show for today. And it was actually on a show with show during the time on TNT. And it's about this cop who finds this artifact. She winds up becoming the Witchblade. And back in the 90s, to have a lead actress playing this role of a comic book based character was just fantastic. And this was way before the MCU days and everything else. There was only two seasons, but yes, there is some cringeworthy stuff within the 90s era whenever you look at the show, but it actually worked for its time. And I believe if they updated it into a 2019 realm, it would actually work out in a big way, especially now when you have actresses that are actually doing a lot more action stuff and things like that. And I'm and I, I'm loving the fact that actresses are branching out and actually doing some type of action movies now and stuff like that opposed to how we had it in the 90s and I think that this is actually a good way to go about about actually to reintroduce Witchblade into the 2019 world because she does deserve to actually have her own show I've always liked the Witchblade character As a matter of fact you can actually pick up the first two seasons on DVD at Walmart and everything for like 15 or 20 bucks and that's not bad and you can watch that whole entire entire two seasons which is actually worth watching and then another uh, TV show that I wish they would actually reboot is Forever Night and for me Forever Night was one of those vampire shows if there's a vampire show that's done right I'm going to rave about it because I'm a vampire fanatic but I'm not a Twilight fan and I'm not a Vampire Diaries fan now I like True Blood but I don't like the final season of True Blood but for what they did with Forever Night was awesome. Because you have this character who gets bitten by a vampire back in the 1800s. And of course, he's living all the way through the 90s. And he's actually a cop. He's a detective. And then he actually has to try and bring down all these other vampires while he's also a cop. He only works at night. He can't really work during the daytime or anything like that. And it's one of those shows that's actually a really good original idea during the time of the 90s. There is, of course, like I said, with uh, Witchblade as well, that there is some cringeworthy stuff that goes on within these 90s shows. But it actually worked for during its time. But to put in a 2019 uh, version of it would actually be really good. I think that maybe Netflix or Hulu should go on ahead and put this thing together because I think that it would actually benefit a lot and maybe even introduce new fans and maybe even resurrect the vampire fans as well because I would like to actually see a good vampire show done right. I'm not into sparkly vampires like I mentioned before. Matter of fact, I just got done watching uh, Interview with the Vampire, which is actually one of my top favorite vampire movies 
and everything. Because if you look at the cinematography, if you look at the way that whole entire movie is set, it's just awesome. And not only that, it's also 30 years old now. And Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise did a really good job for it during its time. I'm gonna I'm not gonna go into a full-on interview with the vampire thing. I'm working on doing my top 10 favorite vampire movies or top five favorite vampire movies but that's actually one of them but if you haven't checked it out check it out on hulu it's really great it's by uh, as a matter of fact the book is by ann rice if you haven't uh, read the book or anything like that so i strongly recommend that you guys check that out but those are the only two shows that i can actually think of that actually would be good for a reboot because don't forget we have that legends of the hidden temple thing that i mentioned this morning that's actually been rebooted for an adult but i would like to actually see nickelodeon's guts get a remake or reboot to where we actually have maybe an adult version with their kids um, doing stuff with their kids and everything with Guts because Guts was one of those shows that was really good and everything was and if you think about these Nickelodeon shows and everything it kind of has that feel of a American Ninja Warrior kind of feel to it but a kids version of that but still overall those are my, those are recommendations and I wish that they would go on ahead and make a reboot too because I think that they can actually do a lot with it in a 2019 kind of way and not only that but they can actually do something with prizes and stuff like that the prizes whenever they would do those shows were just amazing to the point where I wanted to be on the show but anyways um now I'm going to talk about my influences in film on what on what got me into film and I already talked about The Godfather before and you know another movie that I talked about too was Jaws but there's actually another movie that actually got me into loving movies and everything too and it was just such a great movie during its time and that was actually Edward Scissorhands now don't make fun of me or anything like that but this is before the CGI horrific uh, things that Tim Burton has done and during that time that he actually had to use original set pieces he actually had to use let, there was no CGI during the time everything was practical effects and I love the gothic setting of of that movie and everything else and not only that but that's also what made me like Johnny Depp as an actor as well and, I, and here's the thing I haven't seen him act in anything when I was little or anything like that. So, Edward Scissorhands was my introduction to Johnny Depp. And not only that, but if you look at the setting, if you look at this small town and everything of the suburbs, towns where everybody does everything at the same time and stuff like that, and the camera angles, the way that Tim Burton did everything fantastically well done. Danny Elfman did the, did the whole entire score for that. For that movie and everything. As a matter of fact, it actually got me introduced into a whole entire gothic type of thing. Even when I was like seven years old, I was into like this really dark, gothic, grungy looking thing. And I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was really cool because of the fact that it had like a little bit of a fantasy element to it. And it also had a kind of like a Freddy Krueger like feel to it because of the fact that Edward has scissor hand, scissors for hands. And his creator died before he got a chance to actually make him. And this family winds up taking him in. And, you know, at first, you know, you can actually tell that the family that took him in really loved him and stuff like that. They didn't want anything to happen to him. And then, of course, in a small town, you have people that's hating on Edward, making rumors about Edward, that stuff that didn't even happen. 
and then that's whenever the stuff actually escalates from there and you just wind up feeling bad for Edward and then the fact that I love the little mystical element too where you know he supposedly made snow whenever he didn't really make snow and stuff like that so that's what I really love about um, that movie and what got me into movies was Edward Scissorhands because of the gothic feel to it and because of the special effects that they actually used for that time and it was all practical effects it wasn't CGI or anything like that it was beautifully well done perfectly well crafted the score that Danny Elfman did for it was really creepy really moving and I really enjoy watching Edward Scissorhands even to this day I even own it on DVD I still have the VHS tape of it whenever my grandfather recorded it for me and everything so anyways that's gonna be it for me for now but stay tuned listen to the show let me know what you guys think and until next time bye-bye say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill